Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fans of Fans podcast. I'm Ashley Gimbel. And I'm Cecilia Logan, and we're your hosts for today. This podcast episode is part of the Adventures in Pride, a series that DePaul PR and advertising students have created together to educate and discuss hot topics in the industry. We are so excited to dive deeper into the Fans of Fans podcast with you today. All right, Cecilia, let's get into it. We are so excited to speak to today's guest. Absolutely. We are talking to Taylor Stapleton today. Taylor is the Executive Associate Athletics Director for Revenue Generation and Strategic Initiatives for DePaul Athletics. Fans, please welcome Taylor. Thanks for having me. So, Taylor, we know that you used to work in athletics at the University of Kentucky. Why did you decide to start working for DePaul? Yeah, so I was previously at, at UK for a little over eight years um, and, and kind of worked my way up through ticketing and then into a role overseeing some of the digital strategy um, for Kentucky and then kind of blending marketing and revenue together. How do we advertise effectively? How do we use um, data and metrics to get fans to return um, back to our venues um, and then really started taking an interest in really all the in- ancillary revenue areas, parking, donations, ticketing all of that eventually i had a really great opportunity to come along outside of sports i wanted to kind of get outside of sports for a little bit and, and see what the, the quote-unquote real world was like yeah. and i took that opportunity um, back home in, in lexington kentucky where i was um, i started doing some revenue modeling and um, some some different work for healthcare conventions so while a totally different uh, industry and in healthcare it was still conventions it was still the live event business which i had a background in in the revenue side and ticketing side um, and then when uh, Dwayne Peavy, who was my previous uh, kind of supervisor up the line at Kentucky, got the job here at DePaul, um, I, I really had just had a desire to get back into sports, get back into doing what I loved. I had missed it. I had missed working with student athletes. I had missed um, the kind of the purpose-driven work, um, and I had missed the, the pace of it. It's crazy to think. You know, I'm working six, seven days a week, sometimes 50, 60, 70 hour weeks, but I love the pace of it. It's, um, it's something that that's my favorite. So when the opportunity presented itself, I jumped on it and, and came back um, and, and I've continued to learn more and more about DePaul. And it just has such a rich tradition and is in such an incredible city with such a great campus. Um, it's been an incredible opportunity to get to come here and, and learn about the history of DePaul. And there's just such opportunity ahead of us. So I think it was a mix of um, the location, the opportunity, and, and really what DePaul stands for that, that drew me back. All right. So you're at DePaul. So let's take a little bit more of a micro lens now. So tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day is like and some of your responsibilities at DePaul. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in an an administrative role here, so I'm providing leadership and support to a bunch of different areas um, within the athletics department, specifically um, ticket operations and sales, marketing, communications, and digital strategy, corporate partnerships, our business office, and then also merchandise and licensing. So there's a lot there. Um, Working with our leaders from each of those areas to look at our strategy, make sure we're aligned, make sure all of our external areas are, are kind of rowing in the same direction. Um, but I also oversee our relationship with the Big East Conference, um, our board of trustees, and then other just unique strategic initiatives that we may have uh, going on. So maybe we're looking to expand 
um, with some of our corporate uh, relationships, or maybe we're looking to expand our brand visibility in Chicago or our social capital in Chicago. I'm, I'm integral in those initiatives. So really day to day, it's everything from approving ticket prices and, and structures to looking at, at emails going out, um, pulling numbers on our budget, you know, projecting our, our future budget, um, to designing, you know, new initiatives for the summer for appearances and camps and clinics. So that's one of the best parts about this job is every day is very different. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, today, I sat in the board meeting where we looked at um, the past quarter and our performance. We looked at the future and some of our strategic goals. And then tonight, I'll go to Kelly's uh, bar right here on campus with our, our partner, Molson Course to throw a game watch party. So it's all over the place, but that's what I love, um, just the, the variability and, and just there's something new every day. Good Kelly's plug. We're here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So kind of going back to DePaul basketball or just all the sports that we have overall, when you first started working here, what did the attendance sort of look like for all those games? When I first started working here was November of 2020. So the answer is zero. It was in the midst of COVID. Um, okay. We had no one in the stands. It was eerie for me who's worked in sports for so long. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it wasn't as easy as just coming in and saying, um, you know, hey, we're not happy with where we are attendance wise we've got to grow it i mean that would be the case going into any institution in the country we'd say we're not happy with where we are we've got room to grow there's no one that's consistently you know night in day in and day out selling out everything across all sports it's always a goal for you but what we had to start leveraging is how are we going to start getting folks comfortable and coming back to arenas and venues safely um responsibly because that's such a large portion of our revenues our ancillary revenues it's what floats us fully here in athletics but it's also Mm -hmm. what what funds a large portion of of the revenues the university receives so we had to start getting folks comfortable with coming back making sure we were doing it responsibly safely all of that once we started getting there i would say early to mid last season then we had to really start promoting um this this new normal of sorts i know people are tired of hearing that but this new normal what what you know full venues look like and getting people back um with promotions and offerings and all of that um and i think we've we've done a really good job of doing that over um, the past year or so we're seeing an average of almost 13 percent increase in revenue over last year in basketball um, almost a 35 percent increase in revenue in women's basketball over last year and then the other marker I look at is actual people in seats, scanned in tickets. That's 45% up over last year in men's basketball and 74% up over last year in women's basketball. And then, you know, what are those big events, those big games that we go all out on? We had a school history record in, in men's soccer attendance this year. We had um, the first sellout in Trust Arena for DePaul men's basketball. Um, this season, we had DePaul women's basketball's highest attended game in school history um, for our field trip day versus Howard. Um, our women's volleyball program had the highest revenue it's ever received in school history. So now that we're back towards that baseline, how do we get people out? How do we do promotions, marketing, advertising, um, and, and really just pull people to events? Um, yeah. and it, it has to be a healthy mix of revenue versus, you know, free versus, you know, mm-hmm. just, just coming out. But, um, that's that's really our goal right now is is growing from our baseline of this season where we are right now gotcha yeah so what would you say i know like those big events 
it's a combination of like marketing strategies, communication, what's being put out there to draw fans into the games. But what would you say, giveaways or just kind of theme nights that you've seen that have really drawn in the fans or what kind of specific tactics or ideas have you seen being used by DePaul? Yeah, we approach it from a variety of angles. So, of course, you have um, your season ticket holders. And mm-hmm. we have the highest renewal rate in Wing Trust Arena history for a men's basketball program this year at 90%. So that's one example. So it starts um, very soon. As soon as the tournament's over, they've got to get season ticket renewals out and new season ticket holders in because that makes a dent in your revenue and that makes a dent in your attendance because yeah. they're there all season. Um, then it starts going into groups next, and that's a big piece. Um and there's two types of groups. There are community-based groups that are traditionally underserved and may not have an opportunity due to proximity or cost. We have an arm of our department that's going out finding them and, and creating opportunities for them to come to games. Um, that's part of our Vincentian mission, our, our history, our tradition. It's important to us, and so that's, that's a complimentary experience for individuals. Then there's the group sales side. And that can look a lot of different ways. Anything from Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts night um, to youth teams to dance programs. And so we've been really intent on finding new opportunities for those groups to come out. So for example, we have some local dance teams that we're bringing out. They're performing pregame at our games, our men's and women's basketball games. Mm. And that is a great experience for them. But of course, mom and dad want to come too, or, yeah. or um, you know, someone else in the family wants to come, a friend. Um, that continues to magnify that group and make it larger by getting them out. So we have those pay groups, and we have a, a big focus on that right now to the point where we have an individual in our in our ticket sales office that's dedicated to pulling those groups in. Then after that, you know, we, we recently made a change for faculty and staff at our non-basketball events where they're completely free to come to those events. You may have time between a class break. Um, you may have time at your lunch hour. You may be in Lincoln Park on the weekend. We wanted to make it as easy as possible kind of for our DePaul family uh, to come. And so we're seeing an increase with that. We have discounts for those DePaul faculty and staff members uh, at Wintrust Arena. Um, and then we're also doing free faculty and staff nights to get those individuals out. Um, and it's twofold. It's it's one, you hope that they're able to come out. You're hoping the cost isn't a barrier. Everyone should get to explore it. But if they do have a good time, it is a family-friendly outing or a department-wide outing that they may be willing to come back with a discounted ticket. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's reaching out to all these groups and trying to be strategic with it. Um, we also have some complimentary groups we bring from the university based on recognition. Um, if you know, a goal of ours this year is to recognize interdisciplinary work going on on campus. And if we see that in Newsline or we hear about that, we try to bring those individuals out complimentary as well. So when we're trying to get groups, some of it's paid, some of it's free, um, some of it's goodwill, you know, but the goal is to continue to, to pull more and more groups because we can make a large dent there. And then the last piece is the single game fan that's buying. And that's where our incredible marketing department comes into play with promotions, giveaway, um, using our social capital to really create hype and excitement. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's hard when your team isn't playing well. You've got to manufacture that. You can't control the team's performance. But that last bucket, that single game bucket, is really predicated on the marketing, the promotions, and the hype. So would you say that a lot of these groups that we're bringing in, or even just individuals, a lot of them are first timers at every game, or would you say people are coming, you're finding that people are coming back, and then 
do you think that the fans, the majority of the fans, are going to multiple games per season, or do you think there's kind of just the main focus on basketball? Yeah, it really is a mix. We've heard a lot this year from folks saying it's their very first time at X. Um, I think that's a lot of the strategic invites we're doing. You know, with the women's basketball, that highest attendance highest attended game we had this season that was december 12th versus howard it was a midday game we had 6500 um tickets out and that was with partnership with cps and local school districts and bringing them out many of them it was their very first time ever but they came out for free we we provided complimentary busing um, a complimentary ticket they had a great time and many of them probably went back home to their parents and said we'd like to do this again and they may have come back out so it really it truly is a mix um a lot of faculty and staff are telling us it's their very first time ever coming to volleyball, soccer, softball, or track and field, tennis, um, because it is free. And, yeah. and we've been promoting that more through university channels that reach faculty and staff. Um, but we do have a large portion of our of our base season ticket holders and, and single-game buyers that are return visitors. We see those individuals every night in our club spaces and on the concourse. Um, actually met with a professor um, at the game, the last game we had. It was a men's basketball game, and I saw her there, and I said, oh, it's great to see you back. And she said, I came out for a recognition, which was a free ticket. She was recognized on court. Mm. And she said, and I've been coming ever since. I'm hooked. And that's the goal. That's um, great. Yeah. Whether it's a free ticket that, that entices you for that first time or makes you feel a part of the community, we want to give you a little taste of Trust Arena, of DePaul basketball, of, of DePaul athletics, of just DePaul. And we want you to feel a part of that and to feel immersed in it and to feel part of something larger than yourself and to have a good time, a family-friendly time where you'll keep coming back. Sometimes that may take a few taste tests. Sometimes it may not stick, but sometimes it really could pay off. Um, so that's that's going to be a focus as we close this season out is looking at all that data we have on fans and understanding um, who's coming back, who are re- repeat buyers, who's coming back complimentary repeatedly, and the benefit of mobile ticketing. I know a lot of folks um, love the paper tickets, love the designs on them, but the benefit of mobile ticketing and why we've been so steadfast in moving towards it is because it connects each individual to a, a unique identifier in their email, and then our reporting and our analytics at the end of the season is so much better. We can see how many times Cecilia came to a game. We can see when it was paid versus when it was complimentary um, because every single ticket throughout the whole year has been issued to that email address that's uniquely identifiable. And it hasn't traded hands via paper. If it trades hands, it's traded electronically and we keep a record of that as well. So question about these mobile tickets. Would you ever do kind of a giveaway with a paper ticket just as a keepsake or make like an NFT as a ticket so that fans can stay connected? Yeah, so in during the, the COVID year uh, in 2020, we were trying to find ways to supplement existing revenues that were, that were going to be lost. And so we did some of the fan cutouts in the stands and there are lots of uh, lots of folks and dogs and cats and things in the stands. We also did a commemorative keepsake ticket that year. It was a printed larger ticket. Um, it was a set that would commemorate um, five big moments in Nepal basketball history. We had some good demand and some interest in that. It wasn't as strong as we necessarily wanted, but I think, you know, doing something like that is certainly on the table, whether it's a season ticket holder keepsake um, right now. What we do is if you're a season ticket holder, you get a decal, a car decal, and it's fun to see those. We went with that direction because 
um, it's a nice thing for the fan to get, but it's yeah. also, it continues to pay dividends in marketing. So it, you know, they drive around the city or place it on their laptop. It continues to advertise DePaul, not necessarily DePaul athletics, DePaul basketball, or anything like that, but it advertises DePaul um, anywhere they go. So it's an, an item that makes you feel good, but also continues to pay dividends. So it is strategic in that. But I think absolutely, you know, looking at, a printed commemorative keepsake ticket, yes. Um, NFTs is something we're very closely watching. We were involved pretty intimately with an NFT organization last year. Um, they really have not picked up steam enough to a point where we're ready to push it publicly, but we're going to continue to watch it to see if it continues to rise or if it starts to fold. There's some markets like the NBA that are managing NFTs very effectively, um, and then there are other markets like the NFL that is dabbled in the space and hasn't had much luck so we're we're watching it but we're not fully in that space yet gotcha so now we're gonna segue i guess a little bit from just depaul into the big east so what is Mm -hmm. basketball attendance like for men or women in the big east it's strong the big east is a very basketball powerful conference i previously was in the sec at kentucky and i think i had a little bit Uh, blinders on to other conferences Um, of course being in the SEC everyone's proud to be in that but I think I I completely underestimated the Big East when you look at the number of tournament or the number of teams in the Big East that are ranked on the men's or women's side consecutively in the country ranked in the country it's strong stronger than most other conferences when you look at the bids that Big East programs are getting to the NCAA tournament it's either at the same level or above any of the others Um, so the Big East is a very strong conference and the attendance at Big East institutions is strong. It's an area where we're a little bit behind, quite candidly, and that's somewhat due to performance and somewhat due to shifting landscapes. We were, um, we had Alumni Hall in McGrath Phillips Arena, then we had Rosemont, then we went down to Wintrust. We're moving the venue on folks, which has created some barriers there. Um, and we also haven't had some of the performance that we'd like to see with certain sports in certain years to, to maintain that. Um, so we've got to work at it. Um, it there are a lot of reasons I could go into and in, in how we get that performance growing. Right now, we have the, you know, looking back at the past three years, we've had the smallest or second smallest budget on the men's basketball side uh, in the conference. On the women's side, we're either at the, the median school or one place above the median school. And you really see the success differential based on budgets. Budgets aren't everything. There's so many other things that go into it, but it's a key piece in sustaining success, you know, recruiting athletes. Um, so on and so forth. So we're working on that um, so that we can get the success piece. But when it comes to attendance and getting fans there, um, something that's important to me and that has to be important to our entire external team is success on the court cannot dictate our attendance. We have got to have an an inviting and engaging, a fan-friendly, a customer service-heavy experience that people want to come back to even if we're not winning. And I know that's tough and that may seem cliche, but of course it's fun to win. Of course it's not fun to lose. But we can't give folks any other reason um, to, to not want to come to games. We've got to make sure it's a fun time. And so that's what I'm, I'm focused on, you know, irregardless of how the performance on the, on the court is. Definitely. So the Big East is very competitive, but our placement in Chicago is also competitive too since it's such a saturated market with teams. So we have the Bulls is a professional basketball team, and then we also have Northwestern, Loyola, University of Chicago. So how does DePaul market themselves differently against so many, against such a saturated market? 
Yeah. So I, when I was interviewing here, I had an individual on my interview committee that said, it's a professional sports town. How would you grapple with that? And I tend to disagree. It's a sports town, which is perfect for us. We need to give Chicagoans a little bit of taste of DePaul, which we're doing through some invites, through some broadening partnerships, strategic partnerships, things like that. And we need to give them a little taste of success um, and some good personalities on the team that they can latch on to. But once we get those things right, and once we provide that to the city, you'll see that they'll latch on pretty quickly. Think of Loyola and their rise to the Final Four. They had sold-out game after sold-out game. Their merchandise sales spiked. Their endowment is even going up. Donations to the university, clicks on the website. All these things are possible with just a little bit of success, and, and it just took fire. That's what we've got to also create here. We've got to get to a point where we're successful um, in both our men's and our women's program at a high level. Our women's program traditionally has been very, very strong, continues to be. We've had some deviations. We've had um, some gaps in, in sustained success and runs in the, in the postseason tournament. But if we can continue to do that, we can really captivate the city of Chicago. When it comes to differentiating, we've got to be really careful to not do everything that the pro sports teams are doing and really make sure the things we're doing are unique to DePaul and uniquely us. Um, there are a lot of times where you want to steal a promotion, a giveaway or something from a pro team, and likely they have much larger budgets and can do it a lot better. So you've got to differentiate yourself in that. Um, one of the good examples as I give is, you know, we also don't want to see ourselves necessarily as a competitor to those programs. So right now we're engaging with the Bulls, the Sox, um, the Cubs, uh, so on and so forth, uh, the, the Bears, the Fire, the Red Stars to do DePaul days at those events where we bring out our DePaul community. Um, you can get a kind of a cool branded hat um, and, and we can join together and watch that event. In exchange, those teams are helping to reciprocate marketing efforts and deals and offers back to us, and, and we get some social capital off of that. So it's important to engage with those groups, figure out if there's opportunities for alignment. Right now, we're having a conversation with one of the professional sports teams, determining if we could realize some cost savings for halftime acts, if they happen to also be bringing uh, similar entertainment in when our seasons overlap. You know, How can we not necessarily be a competitor, um, but try to align? You know, we don't have to do everything the same. Maybe we have some entertainment that's the same, but let's do some different giveaways. Let's do some different posters um, and, and just differentiate ourselves in our, in our messaging. We're not, again, I'll say it again, we're not going to have the budgets that a lot of these pro teams do, and that's okay. We don't have to. We've just got to stay true to us, true to what makes us unique. What makes college unique is, is the student environment. It's, you know, the, the cheer and the dance and the band. It's, you know, so many traditions that we have that are unique to DePaul. Uh, we've got to stay true to that. We've got to focus on that. Um, and, and I think that's the recipe for success here. But again, it's not impossible in Chicago. It, it, to me, it's only more opportunity. It's more people um, that you can bring out. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think too that DePaul, you know, we have our roots in Chicago. Ashley's dad always talks about how DePaul used to be the talk of the town in Lincoln Park and just kind of how, you know, when they were one of the best basketball teams in, in Chicago 80s. in the 80s, how do you kind of bring those, you know, alum who were there to like experience DePaul's success? How do you kind of bring them in? I know we talked about kind of some newer fans, but just staying in touch with the alums, getting them to come back to games. What's the strategy behind that? 
Yeah, it's dedicated time and outreach and events. Um, we are making sure that that we are making as much outreach as we can to those individuals for them to be as involved as they you know as they want to be. It's thinking about them and maybe sending some gear out. We're hosting alumni reunions across every one of our sports right now, where we bring all alums back together for a day of kind of community, um, a meal, and, and a game. Um, we're continuing to, to grow those efforts. Um, a lot of that's predicated on budget. Again, I, I keep coming back to it, but we're trying to grow our alumni engagement budget so that, that we have the resources to engage those individuals because they are great ambassadors for us. We're trying to utilize opportunities with alums that have strong social media followings or um, kind of television backgrounds or things like that um, to work with them to figure out what, what resources we could align on to grow DePaul's visibility, um, trying to capture some of those, those moments there. Um, when, you know, when DePaul was great, um, back in, in that time period, they really were the talk of the town because they were doing so well. And that's kind of what I talk about. The city, when you see success, the city will align behind you. They'll pull around yeah. you. The other thing they uniquely had during that time is they had WGN. They had a television partner when no one else in the country really did. Television has taken off in college sports across the country with the rise of ACC Network, the SEC Network, all these streaming partnerships. Yeah. Um, that didn't exist back then. You know, a lot of folks said that markets like Chicago um, would be able to be just fine with a television partner. They were able to sustain in venue crowds and also garner national television. But some other markets struggled because now you're you're dividing your fan base. You know, I'm coming from Lexington, Kentucky, which at one time could see 23,000 people in its arena. And that was a tall order to continue filling that day in and day out when it was also broadcast on television. You will know the parking that it takes the time the traffic the concession lines etc it's easier sometimes just to sit in your couch and watch it on television so television has had an impact um on in venue attendance and i think it will continue to have that but television advertisements and viewership also does bring in a very strong necessary revenue source um we've got to continue to figure out what is our differentiator in that space too and, and for me I, I think it's our it's our market it's our city we've got to grow our national brand we have an agreement right now with fox sports where we're the only conference in the country where every single one of our regular season men's basketball games and select women's basketball games are broadcast on linear television wow. no other conference can say that so we've got to continue to use that differentiator to grow you know our brand um we need to, to grow deeper into the radio space and so we're on the score now um, locally here when it does not conflict with Bulls game. We've got to continue to, to work through, you know, that. Um, and then we're trying to grow our national partnerships and the sponsorship arm so that you see more of DePaul in the city. Um, right now, again, I'll, I'll bring up the example tonight. We're having a, a watch party at Kelly's, which will be a, a great time. But that's a partnership with Molson Coors where Molson Coors distributors in the Lincoln Park and South Loop area are pushing out Blue Demon schedule posters, Blue Demon uh, neon LED signs, coasters, um, flyers, all of that. We need to work with our partners that have a big footprint in our city and in our region to continue to extend our brand so that more people know about us. We got to kind of move DePaul from maybe a neighborhood type brand to more of a city brand than to more of a national brand. And so that's something strategically that, that I'm working on pretty heavily right now 
is trying to use as many partnerships as we can to put DePaul's name out there. An example uh, of this is our television game versus Creighton on Christmas Day. Yeah. We pitched that to our team and we said, hey, we would play on Christmas Day if you want to. We think it's a great uh, great game for exposure. But if you don't want to, that's okay. We know it's Christmas Day. They were all excited because they're used to hearing about NBA on Christmas Day. Yeah. So we we said, hey, we'll move forward with it. Um, that game this year on Fox on Christmas Day is the most watched sporting event um, of the year in, in the college basketball space and only second to the Super Bowl right now. Wow. Whoa. So we, we have incredible opportunities, but we've got to seize them. Now, I would have loved to have won, won that game. I would have loved for it to be at home. Yeah. But we can't control necessarily all those factors. We can keep putting ourselves in a position um, to get viewership, to get eyes, to continue to make DePaul a household name, to grow our brand. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's just, that's incredible. Teaming up. (laughs) Yeah. So then I know that, you know, in, in 2020, you came over to DePaul with our current athletic director. How do you think that our new athletic director, Dwayne Peavy, has affected our fanship at DePaul? Yeah. Yeah. I've worked with Dwayne for a while. So previously, uh, Dwayne was at the Southeastern Conference, the main office, um, had some experience at some other institutions prior to that. But I met him when I came to Kentucky. He was overseeing media relations and communications at the time. Um, I came in, my very first job was an intern within communications. And so he was kind of uh, my supervisor, supervisor. So he was always the figure in the sky there. Um, and then as I continue to grow into revenue and ticketing, I had a, a great relationship and, and worked uh, alongside him through that. Um, he is definitely a, a visionary. He sets a bold vision for the future, but one of the best things that I've seen from him is, is he actually works towards that. He doesn't, um, he doesn't throw a vision out there and let it sit. You know, we did a strategic plan here at DePaul um, called the Dream Big Strategic Plan. It's a five-year plan. He doesn't let that sit on a shelf. Um, we review it monthly internally as a group. We take it to the board uh, quarterly to review, and, and we have to show, you know, dedicated progress on it, and we also have to show progress on future goals. So he's he's a visionary that has these, these great visions and stretch goals and things like that, but he really pushes us to do it. Um, so that's that's good to see just from a, a structural standpoint. He's also incredibly engaging um, in the public and in the community. He's visible. He walks across campus. He goes to, to the championship events. You know, he came to the Big East tennis championships, the Big East golf championships, track and field championships, you name it. When I was at the tennis championships two years ago, they said that they believed he was the first AD to, to ever attend those. Um, he likes being there for student athletes. He likes being visible. He likes being out in the yeah. community. He likes engaging the alumni. Um, he loves getting their phone numbers, texting, calling them, catching up with them. He hosts Zooms all the time with select groups of donors and alumni members just to catch up. When we were in the pandemic, um, we were saying, you know, hey, we can't do these these gatherings. And he said, well, we need to be hosting Zoom gatherings for alums. Um, and that's what we did. We hosted almost 10 or 12 different, you know, Zoom room gatherings. Um, so I, I think his visibility has been really important. He's also, you know, avid on social media. He started Coach Calipari's Twitter account at, at Kentucky, um, started running that before Twitter was a household name for many of us. Um, he's leaned into social media for a long time. Here he's been doing um, Twitter spaces, chats with our fans or anyone who can, can join and ask questions. Um, but he's, he's very visible and communicative on social media, always, you know, taking, taking whatever criticism. Uh, there's a, a fan, a critic 
that you know said some stuff the other day and just responded and said hey I'll, you know i'll dm you my, my cell phone let's talk about it he, he likes to be engaged he wants to talk about it um and, and know that we're, we're all in this together so i think that's been really important from from that perspective also has done some really phenomenal things for fundraising um we continue to break fundraising records every single year which is great to see um, in his first year, he set the fourth best fundraising uh, record in school history. And then last year, he reset that record again um, with years one, two, and three all tied to building projects or capital projects. So wow. that's been impressive to see. Um, also set um, some Blue Demon Challenge records for single day giving. Um, I, I think the biggest thing about Dwayne is is just he, he has a strong vision. He acts on it. He really relies on, on people um, to be bold, to be engaging, to work hard. Um, but he, he's he's willing to to listen and pivot and change and, and adjust. The other day, I was kind of telling him I, I was a little worn down, didn't get something on deadline, uh, tired, a lot going on, and kind of looked at me and said, "No excuse, we need it done by tomorrow." That's the person he is. He lo- he has that tough love, but you're willing to do it because you know how much he cares. Yeah. Um, so it's it's I think a, a really welcomed. Uh, a really welcomed uh, person to the to the Blue Demon family. Um, I'm a little biased. I've been with him for for some time at Kentucky, but um, yeah, I know you all have had some some experience as well with him, and and continue to to fill in the listeners on on how that's been for you all. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with what you've said about Dwayne's vision. The first time I met him, I was actually a student worker during my undergrad days at DePaul, working in communication for athletics. And the first thought that went through my mind after meeting him was, of course, I'm an upperclassman. Like, you've got to be kidding me. There's so much change that's about to take place. And I just knew that after graduation, I wanted to come back to help him with his vision. So I couldn't agree more with everything that you just said. Um, I think we are winding down with our questions, Taylor. But if there are any athletics events you'd like to plug before we say goodbye, keep in mind that this will probably be published around May. What I would say is for anyone listening kind of at that time period, um, we're going to be pretty engaged within the city this summer. We're looking at several events we're going to be going out to, whether, you know, it's certain park festivals, State Street takeovers, um, the the Pride Fest and Pride Parade. You name it, we're going to be involved this summer. So if you see opportunities, follow us on social media, um, uh, DePaul Athletics, learn about those opportunities, come out. We're going to be offering more camps and clinics with our sports teams than ever before, and then we're excited to ramp up for a busy fall. We'll kick off the fall um, with welcome back events, specifically on Wishfield and Cachatory Stadium for students to learn traditions, chants, cheers, and, and to engage with some community. Um, we'll have a basketball tip-off event in the fall, and then we'll get after it with a really busy schedule. We have 15 uh, sports here at DePaul, 15 Division One varsity sports, so there are plenty of opportunities, no matter if you're into golf, tennis, track, basketball, you name it. There is something for everyone. So visit DePaulBlueDemons.com to see our schedule or download the DePaul app at DePaulBlueDemons.com slash app and get push notifications and alerts on the calendar. So appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Taylor. Sounds like you've done this pitch a couple times. But anyways, we will will let you go. So everyone listening, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us speak with Taylor Stapleton about fanship and the DePaul Blue Demons. Now on to our next segment, the Gen Z Perspective. The Gen Z Perspective places an emphasis on hearing from just that, Generation Z. We're here with Jordan Prock, communication professional for DePaul Athletics. 
Jordan, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Jordan, let's talk to Paul. The Blue Demons currently hold the record for the most watched college basketball game on Fox in history, which was recorded last Christmas. Why do you think this is? I think that DePaul holding the record for the most watched college basketball game um, is something really interesting, especially with the game coming on Christmas when there's also NBA games and NFL games happening this year. Um, And I think that it's just a little bit different than those professional sports. I think college basketball is something that continues to grow in this country. And um, by having a team with a recognizable name, um, where on this Christmas, DePaul played Creighton, two pretty good teams, teams that people know about, that helps uh, get more people to get eyes on it. And it was at the perfect time for Christmas dinner, for it to just kind of be on and you to check in what was going on while the game was happening. Gotcha, yeah. So what do you think has been working well for DePaul to draw large crowds this season? I think that DePaul has put a lot of emphasis into game production and making the game like um, an exciting event to go to. Because when you go to live sporting events, you're not just going to watch the game, you're going for an experience. And I think that DePaul has done a really great job of amping up their game day experience, whether that be updated concessions, um, new in-venue things like shopping more merchandise or just the more interactive parts where you have 50-50 raffles. Um, And they've also done a really great job of it being more of a show. When it comes to game time, we have a DJ and he plays great music during uh, pregame and an in-arena host who brings a lot of energy. And you also get the pyrotechnics during warmups and you get to see a really cool warmup video or pregame video, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that by adding those things in and getting more interactive during timeouts and halftime where you get t-shirt tosses and smile cams and a lot of good music playing and you bring in some really fun things for halftime like the Jesse White tumblers or you bring in just some local uh, teams to play scrimmages or local dance academies, you really kind of get to bring in more crowds. And I also think it helps that DePaul's in the Big East. You bring in some really great teams on both men and women's hoops that make people want to come out to games and see what they're all about in person. Yeah, definitely. Now, I know one way um, that DePaul has been bringing in more fans uh, to their basketball games has been college nights, so inviting each individual college. Do you think that there has been a positive impact um, from those college nights, or what's your opinion on that? I think that having college nights is really interesting and a new way to get people who might not be as intertwined and interconnected with athletics, but they're still part of the university. I think it's a great way to get them to come out to games and to support our student athletes. Um, I think by having these college nights where we recognize the people who work in those departments and what they do on a day-to-day basis, and we recognize them and uh, show our gratitude for them for helping us grow as a university and a continued national brand is huge. And I think that it could bring out people to a game that might have not thought about coming to a game. And, you know, you gain another lifelong fan through that. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Jordan. And thank you fans for listening. We look forward to the next Adventures in Pride episode to be released.